Hello, it's episode 13 of the Customers Who Click podcast. Welcome back. If you take a moment to rate the podcast on iTunes, that'd be absolutely wonderful. Today's guest is a good friend of mine, Pete Dunn. Pete's a wonderful salesman and copywriter and is here today to talk about how businesses can make better use of copywriting in their sales process, whether that's you know closing deals on the phone in person or in person, uh, or the language you use in emails or, or on your website. As we've heard before from Parry on episode two, copywriting and the language you use is, is so important. It makes a massive difference to how customers interact with your business and can have huge impact on your revenue. In fact, if you know, as we heard on uh, episode 12 as well, you know, behavioral economics, copywriting helps you building these little nudges into your, into your website and processes just to you know, help push people over the line. Anyway, let's, uh, let's hear from Pete. Hi, Pete. Thanks for joining me. Um, can you tell us a bit about yourself, um, what you do and why you do it? That's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So I, I guess I'm typically, I class myself as a salesman, although I do write copy. Uh, I've been in and around the sales arena for 21 years now. And for half of that, um, I, I've written copy both for myself and for others. Why I do it? Um, is probably quite a contrarian answer. Um, I got into sales initially because it had such a low barrier to entry. Um, I needed to do something that earned me money and the, the, the rest is kind of history. Um, so I've, I've always had this fascination with people and sales really just, just fed that fascination and uh, enabled me to, uh, to make money at the same time. Sounds good. Good enough reason for it to get into it, isn't it? Well, yeah, you know, I think I, I, I was uh, I was young and foolish, and I, like I said, I, I just needed a way to uh, kind of keep me out of trouble, I guess, and 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 at the same time, so I didn't certainly at the time have any uh, special talents, and and yeah, it was a, there was a great opportunity in front of me, and I, I kind of grasped it with both hands. What does a so what does a standard day look like for you? Nowadays, um, it's kind of different. Um, a standard day is typically quite long. I'm I'm up very early, as you know. So, uh, f- for your listeners, I'll probably clarify this statement. Um, so, obviously, you stayed with us for a uh, for for a few weeks. Yeah, just before <laughs> everyone locked down. Just just before, and 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 we had that. That's uh, that's for another episode. That the mission to get you home and back into the UK. But um, a standard day looks actually very long for me. So typically I'm up pretty early. A, a lot of gurus and experts, I say, will talk about uh, having this morning routine. Well, uh, my morning routine is is first infused with coffee, but it's very mindful. Um, I found for me, um, taking care of myself in kind of a mindfulness and wellness way really impacts the results that I have and for, for my clients as well. So typically a standard day, I'll be up around 4.35, coffee. Then it'll either be a mixture of meditation, um, yoga, or weights. Um, from there, my work day, I guess, starts probably around about 9, 9.30, um i'll typically work through depending on what clients i have at the time typically i work through till sort of mid to late afternoon and, and then into the evening but one of the biggest mistakes that i made certainly early on in my career 
was not looking after myself. Um, so also as well, uh, if, if I've got a copy project um, for either that I'm consulting on or actually writing, a typical day looks actually very lazy. Um, and I'll kind of expand upon that as, as we move through. But um, it probably looks like I'm not really doing much because in actual fact, I'm probably not doing much. And for me, that was a big kind of component of being able to write good copy. Um, but, but I'll expand on that as, as we go through. Yeah, well, um, I mean, speaking of writing good copy, you know, tell us a bit about that. You know, tell us a bit about kind of the art of selling and copywriting and language. And particularly, mm. why, should, why should B2C companies care? You know, why, why, why is it something that they should, uh, they should consider and focus on? It's, it's a great question. I mean, for me, everything revolves or should revolve around the customer. Um, a lot of people have this great product, um, but put their sales efforts and their copy efforts around that. So it, it comes out as very product centric. Now, one of the things that I've learned um, as I've gone through this journey is it's not, no one really cares about you, your business or your product or service. Um, what they do care about is themselves. So uh, one of the best bits of advice that I've ever been given, and I'll, uh, I'll give this to everybody that I speak with, is when it comes to sales or copy or pretty much anything in life, we're, we're all selfish. So when I'm writing copy, there's one question that I'm looking to answer at any one time for a, for a consumer is the so what. What does this mean for me? Or as, as one of my very first sales mentors said, it, it's the Wiffen rule. So what's in it for me? If I can answer that so what question at every kind of stage, I'm, I'm already there. But I would implore everybody who's writing copy for their product, for their customer, to, to make it just that. Make it all about the customer. Every word, every touch point, every interaction really ought to be very, very customer centric. Yeah, so it's, well, it's, it, you know, benefits, not features, isn't it? Um, yeah. You, know, you, you get companies, um, like particularly lots of like cosmetics and, you know, that, that kind of uh, industry mm. where you look at the product on the website and it will list all the ingredients mm -hmm. and you'll have a big list of just, words and you kind of look at the page and you're like all right so what like you're all you're doing is listing like in some cases listing a bunch of chemicals because that's exactly. what they use yeah and you know i guess some of it is there to say uh by by showing you our ingredient list we're showing you what's not in there mm. we're highlighting the fact that we don't have this and this mm. but just by by not saying it mm. but you're still kind of sat there going all right, great. What does that do for me? Exactly. Um, exactly. You know, the, the ones who say, uh, you know, clinically proven to give you softer skin or mm. whiter teeth and that sort of stuff. Mm. That's the stuff people want and care about. But even then, I suppose with the, the whiter teeth, it, I guess it's still a, you know, so what? Exactly. Yeah. It, it's what, what's this going to do for me? So, so uh, if I've got the whitest teeth in the world, 
that's great. But again, so what? What what does that mean? Does that mean I'm going to make more people smile and I smile at them? Or is that going to attract me to the opposite sex or the same sex or any kind of sex? Um, what's it going to do for me? What What goes beyond that? And I think, and this is actually a critical point, especially when it comes to that whole B2C, both in sales and copy. So yes, again, it really depends who you're selling to. So for example, um, an engineer type of person who's going to be very analytical, very data-driven is going to want to see a lot of features because that's how they process information, generally speaking. Um, But benefits by far, people buy off emotional reasons backed up by logic. Now, for me, one of the critical things that is oftentimes missing in copy is actually story and personality. Um, And I think that an infusion of that and letting that, almost like letting that brand voice come through, and there's a great, or there's a couple of great examples of this, but letting that brand voice come through when you're writing your copy and that personality it is really, really important, and everyone can relate to a, a good story. Um, but a, a great example of this, I'll, I'll give two. One of the kind of go-to brands that I always try to emulate is Innocent, the the the, the smoothies. Um, Look at how they do what they do, and it's a great uh, it's a great example of of an infusion of story um, with benefits, and it really drives through to, to the consumer. Another really great example, if if not one of the best examples of this, is is Mailchimp. Um, look at how Mailchimp write their copy; it, it's absolutely phenomenal. It's a real you, you get that emotional buy in, and of course, it talks about the 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 benefits of of using them that there's no or hardly any at all features through any of their site or how they write about themselves and and what they do it's a really great example of that infusion of benefits story and really resonating with with an audience yeah i think i've seen some uh some i wouldn't be able to tell you names right now but yeah i've definitely seen someone where the uh the brand the tone of voice actually stands out as well. So actually, uh, you know, it reads a bit more interestingly and kind of captures your attention just because some of the words they use or their sentence structure and things, um, as opposed to other brands that might still write about the benefits and the, and the so what, but it's just kind of just normal. This is just as if someone was kind of just talking and explaining it. Um, yeah. What's interesting about Innocent, actually, is uh, I read the other day, um, the guy who came up with all that kind of tone of voice actually hates what it's become now. Um, I, I can't remember exactly what he said. It was in an article. But yeah, he, uh, I think he was saying he's got, they've kind of gone too far with it. And it's this, you know, it was supposed to be just a tone of voice, I think. Whereas now it's become just this whole thing where... And, and it's being copied a lot. You know, the whole, um, they have a little cheeky tagline sort of thing on the bottom of their packages, I think. 
um, the containers, and that's now been copied by quite a few other brands. And he's saying that sort of thing is just, it's a bit uh, gimmicky. I think you're right. I think when it comes to, and this is actually really relevant when it comes to copy. So it has been overdone. Um, people have, to, to your point, absolutely, it becomes more of it, or it has become more of a gimmick. But for me, at least, that there was a really crucial kind of lesson in that. So many, many years ago, kind of when Innocent was very new, um, they had underneath, and, and you mentioned this, well, underneath they had like a, just a little one line, um, like, a, like a funny sentence uh, and one in the cap as well. And for me as a consumer, um, I always looked forward to reading it, I, I, more so than actually drinking the, the, the drink or the smoothie. Um, and it was something that I always looked out for. And this is the, the copy lesson in this is, is your micro copy um, on your site or wherever you use micro copy. Always have that wow factor. Um, I think that's such a, such a vital thing to have in, in this day and age. Yeah, I think it works for them because uh, they, they kind of had that established tone of voice uh, mm. and branding already. So when people saw it, um, obviously, you know, it kind of got shared on social media, so it probably did a lot for them there in the early days. Mm. But um, you kind of saw it, and it would be a bit of a surprise because you wouldn't expect anything to be there. Mm. You'd kind of be like, oh, innocent, you, you know, yeah. cheeky. Um, yeah. But then when another brand does it and you're kind of just like, all right. Exactly. That's it. It just kind of falls, falls flat because it, you, ha- you, can't, you, you don't relate that little sentence to their branding and to their tone of voice. It's just, you know, a little line on the bottom, isn't it? It's a bit yeah. like, um, uh, was it Penguin Bars, the chocolate mm-hmm. bar that has the joke? Mm-hmm. yeah exactly everyone yeah. knows there's a joke there people i bet people buy them because almost for the jokes even though they're you know they're not the best jokes are they but you know it works really well for them because i mean actually i never saw any advertising or anything for them to be fair but it just became that thing that you expected from them whereas i think if, if another chocolate bar tried that uh, i don't think people would care it, it comes off as it, it comes off as are oh, they just trying to copy Penguin? Now um, I, I'm considerably uh, older than you, um, but so so I do remember I do remember advertising for for Penguin, um, but but I guarantee that most people I don't even know if Penguins are, are still around. Hopefully they are, um, but yeah, it must be. Um, I, I would almost guarantee that most people who when they started to be brought along in their journey and, and became a fan of, of the Penguin brand, would, before they even open it, flip it round, read the joke, lift up the little flap uh, and read the, uh, read the punchline before opening it. And that is, for me at least, that's a, that's a great marketing lesson. And if you can do that and bring uh, and infuse your copy with that, Again, like I say, personality, that brand voice and really nailing that and kind of more importantly, understanding how or what should I say, what your consumers or customers want to hear and resonate with, then then you're onto a winner. I, I would focus on that more before actually the 
kind of technicalities of, of copywriting and, and all these kind of tricks, tools and techniques, work out that voice and how that resonates with consumers. Do you think tone of voice is more important or just making sure you get those benefits across and the, and the so what? So even if you kind of write it in pretty, I don't want to say boring, plain, plain English, I guess. Sure. But you just, you get the points across, you explain why people should use the product, the benefit it's going to give them. Mm-hmm. Um, or should brands not so focus so much on that, but give, get a good tone of voice out there, one that's actually memorable. Mm. And, you know, people, you know, as soon as an email hits your inbox, you know, you can read the subject line and go, oh, I know which, I know which brand that is. Uh, I mean, this is such a, a multifaceted uh, or, or a potential answer contains so many different multifaceted points. It really, it really depends what you're selling and who you're selling it to. I think that the first thing is that you need to understand if you're writing copy is forget everything else, forget your company, your brand, forget the product and the benefits. Listen to, uh, listen to your customer or potential customer understand how they buy and the, the language that they kind of use. Also equally important is, is a lot of people will talk about putting uh, your, your demographic together and from there, from that demographic, building out ideal client profiles or ideal client avatars. What's equally as important to, to me at least is to actually put together a profile of the people that you want to repel um, and not resonate with and, and almost not attract to your brand. Um, but I think to, to, to kind of answer your question, I think benefits, uh, yeah, benefits sell, but they're, they're all equally as important. But in every step, the, the main focus if it's a long sales cycle and, and requires multiple touch points, especially when it comes to copy to bring people through their buying journey, then you need them. Uh, you, you need each and every one. Each has its merits, but you need to understand what that journey and that process looks like and then have them at every kind of touch point to, to nudge people along. And I'll, I'll, I'll make that even clearer. So I come from uh, the world of direct response copy. So I want people to do everything, do something. I want them to take an action. I want them to be nudged along nicely at at every stage um, towards a decision, the right decision. So I think there's a huge difference between branding and uh, in copy and that personality and voice, which is vital, but also as well, I want them to Uh, I want them to see the benefits for them and take action, whether that's opening an email, whether that's buying the product. I want them to have that amalgamation of everything that's right for them to bring them along into their journey. Yeah. So kind of always looking at the end result. Yeah, absolutely. An end result that is a win-win situation for everybody, whatever that may look like. But yes, I'm, I'm always looking to bring them from a psych psychological point of view i want them to emotionally buy in but also yeah to to move them along and 
I, I, I'm looking, certainly when it comes to copy, I'm looking for them to be where I want them to be. So I actually, there's, I, I'm going to paraphrase a, a great old copywriting uh, quote that I want to enter a, a customer's mind and at a specific point of when they've already having the conversation in their head. I don't want to try and force them into something. I want to be there um, when they're already having that conversation. Yeah, sp- speaking to people who are already thinking about it, kind of maybe aware they aware that they have a problem, I guess. Yeah, ab- um, absolutely. Uh, and I think this is a big thing, uh, and this is a, probably a separate topic, but understanding and segmenting your demographic. Um, and when it comes to copy, there's, there's a certain amount of education that's required to move them along. But I also want that to be entertaining. But I also, from that, I want them to move along. I don't want to, and you shouldn't, try and persuade someone that doesn't want to buy to buy. I, I think it's just life's too short for that, and it just leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Um, okay, so are there any kind of common myths or misconceptions about you know, co- copywriting and, and selling? I mean, there, there, there's loads. I'll, I'll pick for me one of the, uh, I'll use both, uh, copy and sales. Um, for me, one of the big kind of, I guess, myths uh, when it comes to um, copywriting is uh, that failure to test long copy. People, certainly now, they, they think, um, that everything needs to be micro. And I, I'm all up for micro content. That's great. But studies and, and data show that long copy, as in long form copy, can and does outperform short copy in, in general. Um, and I guess when it comes to sales specifically, uh, there's uh, th- this great kind of belief that a great sales man or woman is born and not made. And I think everybody has that um, potential to be great at sales and persuasion. It, it, we, we, we're all born naturally salespeople. If you look at children, they're some of the most persistent. They nine times out of 10 can persuade their parents to get what they want, whether that's a cookie or a new toy. So I think everybody has that potential to be great at sales already but it's just kind of lost um, and it can be, pe- people can be made to be successful in sales. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's something that's just worth doing for everyone, uh, even if it's, you know, six months. Um, you know, my, my first job was in sales mm. and I hated it. You know, I hated picking up the phone and, uh, you know, cold calling people and, and, uh, and writing emails and, mm. you know, um, and all that, but it it helped. You know, I, mean, I, I, I did okay at it. You know, made, made a bit of money while I was doing it. But uh, there's kind of lessons and experience that I got from that mm. um, that I've been able to you know to use for the rest of my career. Mm. No, I, I, absolutely. I think this is this is worth knowing. So, like I said, I've been in sales for 21 years. I still hate picking up the phone and speaking to people, especially when it's, um, I, I don't particularly like the phrase cold calling, even though it's a really powerful tool because we've got so many, um, 
options available that any cold call, it's not like when I started and I just had uh, like a, a phone book that I was dialing through. Um, so we've got tools to now enable us to at least get some information and, and personalize our approach. Um, but I still hate it. Um, and I think for me, pretty much everything we do is, is sales. And it's such a powerful and profitable, but it, you know, if, if you can, if you can sell, you can literally, um, I don't want to say and be as arrogant to say it's do anything, but it's, it's a real critical skill to, uh, to, to have. But yeah, I, I still, even though I do it a lot, I still hate picking up the phone and speaking to people. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think part, part for me is just the, the time involved and the, and actually the disappointment in just not getting through to someone, mm. not actually the call itself. I'm actually okay with that. It's the, knowing that out of every 10 calls I make, I might actually only get to speak to the person one out of 10 times. Yeah. And the other nine to me feels like wasted time, but I could have been doing something else. So yeah, you kind of have to, you know, just keep at it for a bit. Um, Absolutely. And I think it's the same with copy. Um, You're not, you have to be very resilient. You have to be, willing to try different things, test it and kind of bear your soul a little bit. And I think to your point, you're right. I'm sure there's people far smarter than I that have done uh, studies and and will actually be able to show the data on what the um, exact figures are. But let's say when it comes to sales, you're right. One out of probably every 10 will only answer the phone. And that one person is likely to tell you no and hang up almost instantly. Um, but the same is, is true when it comes to copy. And that's, I think, why it's so important to find that voice and find who your ideal client or customer is and speak directly to them. I think uh, an important distinction to make for me is there's no such thing as B2B or B2C. It's all P2P. It's person to person. And that in of itself it is sales. Sales is simply, or copy is simply a value for value exchange. That's it. If, if you can do that and if you can speak to people and you have good social skills, you're, you're already way ahead of, of, of most who are trying to just focus on the techniques. Yeah, people who follow, I guess, best practice and, and the textbook stuff, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to people who kind of understand how people think and how mm-hmm. to actually interact with people. Um, so what are the, what are the first things you would do when starting with a new client or a new project? One of the first things that I would do specifically if I'm writing copy for, for someone is I would, what I call get down into the engine room. So I would dive deep. I'm looking for their own values, the company values. I'd also go into and dive into their customers and find out again, like I say, how they buy. I don't even want to know at that point how to sell to them. I just want to find out how they buy, how frequently they buy it and what those core motivators are, what is driving them. Um, 
from there specifically if it's if it's a copy project um i would collate as much information as i can that really when when you're writing any copy that's the big bit that the research phase is where the real heavy lifting happens but also where most of the success comes from um in actual fact copy is is kind of I don't put pen to paper for a long, long time in, in the process. It's just all about finding out as much information as I can. That could be speaking to their sales guys, their marketing team. If I can speak to the customers uh, themselves, great. I also want to speak to people that they didn't manage to sell to. Uh, so I can find out why they didn't buy. Um, from there, I'll have like a, a, a massive brain dump and write uh, write it all down and have it in one big uh, one big file. Then generally, I would um, kind of look to the competition, see what's working. If someone's if someone's re or if even if an industry, if they're running the same kind of copy, there's probably a very good reason for that so i'll kind of see what they're doing and see that tone and then i'm looking to, to mesh it all together and bring it together from there i'll literally without worrying about grammar or spelling or structure even though i do kind of use a, a templated structure that i'm writing to i'll just blast out a, a really hideous first draft i'll just write um, and then oftentimes I walk away. Sometimes that can be for kind of 48 hours. Other times it can be for weeks on end um, because that's where for me, the, the, the research and the information that I've gathered really starts to kind of percolate and come through from that. I'll go back to that first draft. I'll, I'll edit it. And then that's where the kind of magic happens. But that's typically the, the, the process overall. But the first thing, I, first thing I do without fail is get to know the values and, and the people. That to me is so, so critical and, and oftentimes what is kind of missing in copy projects. Yeah, I think it um, actually sounds quite similar to how I approach uh, conversion. Hmm. So... I will. I'll start off by kind of obviously like having a look at the the product itself. Um, uh, yeah, what what it does, the, the benefits and features and stuff. Um, I'll have a look at Google Analytics, heat maps mm. and things. But then it's you know a big part of it is those conversations with customers, sure. and it's talking to people who I always kind of I kind of try and split it up, uh, a, a, you know, a fair number of times. So I'll look at. Um, the really loyal customers, the people who buy again and again and again, or you know the guys who are subscribed for eighteen months. Mm. Then I'll look at people who have bought maybe a handful of times, you know, once every now and again. Um, people who bought once but never bought again, mm. and you know it's maybe six months since that purchase. Um, people who have just purchased, mm -hmm. so you know within the last week probably. Mm -hmm. Um, and then trying to get those people who didn't purchase and who left the site. Sure. Why, you know, and speaking to the, those people, because it's, you know, why do you keep buying? Uh, why did you buy and then never buy again? Uh, what did you, th I guess for the people who've just bought, it tends to be more, you know, what did you like about the experience or 
or what you know what convinced you to buy mm. and then obviously for the people who didn't buy why not you know what what put you off what was the one big reason you you didn't buy today and then all that feedback then kind of you know feeds into that testing uh, the testing plan you know it helps come up with the experiment ideas and then you know those that's kind of the first draft mm. um like you know like for your copy it's actually you know you run the first experiment or two and that kind of helps you develop it into that not final piece because obviously it's an ongoing thing but those first couple of tests really give you some direction Completely. about what people really really want mm. and that you know you, you might rip up the rest of your plan and rewrite something mm. because right. you know you, you've actually found that the way people are interact with the site is completely different to, to what you're expecting mm. um and so a load of the tests are now redundant because you know you need to focus on something else on the site Com- completely i i think for for, for me and, and you're, you're right that the process is pretty similar but uh, a piece of copy one of the big mistakes that i see people making when it comes to their copy is they'll find something that works and, and they'll stick with it now that is um kind of contrarian advice to what most of the quote-unquote copy gurus would say because of course you want to stick with it while it's working but I think you should always look to iterate on that and have or be brave enough to try something else even at the cost of it of it flopping but I think if you've got that far in your journey and you constantly go back and uh, speak to your, your customers, your, your sales um, people, and have that eye on the data. You, you need to be brave enough to actually try and um, break that control. Uh, so control like the, the, the top performing piece of copy and, and always try to improve upon it. I think that's such a, a big thing. But to, to your point, absolutely. I'm, I'm looking for... Uh, because that's that's really what copy should do. It, it, it needs to convert people. It needs to nudge them along nicely um, in, uh, in in their journey, and, and that's we're converting them into something. But um, I think you know, it, I'm looking for RFMs. I'm looking for recency. How recently did they purchase? I'm looking for frequency. How frequently do they purchase? And then I'm looking for monetary. Um, you know, are they are they just purchasing uh, a constant amount of, of low ticket items, or are they purchasing less frequently but real big ticket? And, and they're they're a consistent buyer. So these this data driven, both in an analytical style, but also as well a, a, a real world, if you like. So actually speaking to people, um, style is so so powerful and and so misunderstood and misused so when you say speaking to people mm-hmm. uh do you mean in terms of the copy or do you mean actually going and speaking to people to get that feedback speak to real people if, if people have existing customers go and do uh, go and actually pick up the phone and speak to them and, and ask them that there's they're, there's gold they're the people that literally feed your business and keep your business going um now let's look at it from another point of view. Um, let's say you're a startup and you've got no customers yet. Well, where do you go from there? 
you ask for feedback again this is where that research phase comes in and you put together your ideal client and the type of people that you want to repel and go and speak to them that can mean a multiple kind of touch point approach but we've got social media we've got forums we've got reddit quora go into all these uh, places and actually see the conversation that these people are having you can get their pain points you can get their frustrations you can always or I would suggest always speak to real people rather than just trying to guess off analytical data, if, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, you need to do both. Sure, absolutely. Um, but, absolutely. But it, 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 and it, but it is crucial that you do do both. Yeah, 100%. Um, 100%. You know, the, again, even like with conversion as well, there's only so much you can tell from just looking at the, the data mm. and the numbers. Um, and that even... You know, you look at Google Analytics and you'll get an idea of where a problem is, mm. you know, but it, but you'll know which page the problem is on. Exactly. Then, you, then you'll use a heat map um, and you'll get an idea of, uh, you know, where people are clicking on where and where people are looking on the page, but you mm. still don't know what the problem is and why people aren't taking the step. Exactly, um, yeah. You know, you might see that everyone's browsing, the, you know, everyone's, seems to be looking at and kind of mouse is hovering over the left-hand side of the page or something when the call to action's on the right. Mm. Um, and you might be able to guess why that is. You know, you, you, you might look like there's something clickable on the left and, and your button's really hidden. But, mm. um, but yeah, it, w- when you actually speak to people and get that feedback, you'll find out why people haven't been clicking that button and yeah. continuing on. So, yeah, it's, it's the same with copy, isn't it? Exactly, um, yeah. You can it, it, see how many people are converting on a page, uh, or you know, or responding to your advert or or your your direct mail or whatever. Mm. But you don't know exactly why they're doing that or why they're not doing that unless you speak with them. Exactly, and and for me, uh, you you can save yourself literally in some cases months of frustration and a ton of money if you just your customers. And again, it comes back to what I was saying earlier is everything that you do ought to be customer or consumer centric is they'll give you again to your point you need both but for me when it comes to copy actually speaking to people that spend money or not as the case may be will give me such valuable insights that will really improve the results of 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 copy it's such a powerful but people don't do it and it's you know it's a shame because they're not open to getting that feedback from a real person yeah so i guess we've kind of covered a few bits of this but i guess to summarize um have you got i don't know maybe three tips you would give people on uh on where to start you know if they if they're if they want either want to start writing copy or uh, you know, if they've got a project on that needs copywriting uh, sure. kind of th- three tips that they should do and maybe you know, one to three things or, you know, uh, yeah, a, f- a few things that people need to avoid and make sure they don't do or kind of the mistakes. Hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I think for me, the, the, the big thing is throw away all the copy books Um uh, th- there's there's a very old formula, um, just one of many, that ADA, attention, interest, desire, action. Now, that format, of course, still works. But for me, before you try and 
learn the uh, fundamentals of copy. Go and learn people. Study, uh, study people. Study psychology. Um, study philosophy. Uh, for me, they are two of the biggest and best uh, starting points to be able to write copy really well. If you can understand humans and human nature, you'll take a quantum leap away from most quote-unquote copywriters. If you can understand why people do what they do and how to use that, and from there um, layer in the, the, the copywriting techniques, whether you want to write copy for yourself or, or start as a copywriter for clients or write copy for your product or service, start there. Start with psychology and look at philosophy and, and study that. Second big thing is just to remain curious. Um, always ask questions, what, what I would call dare to be done. Never feel that your expertise um, uh, gets in the way of asking stupid questions. Um, and there are such a thing as stupid questions, and, uh, but feel free to ask them because the more questions you ask, the more feedback and the more kind of data that you get from people. Um, that, would be, that, that would be another kind of step two. Um, the third kind of step I would suggest is for people to read more fiction. Now, people get bogged down again in, in these techniques of, of copywriting, but again, understanding a story and how a story is structured is really, really powerful. For me, uh, so, so I'm a bit of a, a, a superhero geek, um, read a comic book. If you look at a comic book, typically 25-ish pages long, they oftentimes pack a, a, a full comprehensive story with a beginning, a middle, and an end into such a small space that's generally far more visually um, driven or, or aesthetically driven. That grounding in psychology, in philosophy, that grounding in story should be your focus. From there, find, uh, find a technique that works for you. Tr be, be bold in what you do. Don't go back to a, a, a kind of a mistake I see many people make is they go back to copywriters um, typically because that's uh, the majority of the books that people talk around. Uh, I'm not going to name any names because I've got all the books, but um, they back, go back to copywriters who were writing copy um, years and years ago, and it's very outdated, it's very staid, and it's just not relevant. See what some of the biggest and best copywriters, how they're writing their copy, and, and emulate them. Don't copy them emulate them and find out what works. But yeah, psychology and story is, is a huge uh, superpower if you understand them. Yeah, I'm a big fan of kind of the psychology and the behavioral stuff. Um, mm. In fact, the episode I did with web loyalty was around uh, behavioral economics. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really, really fascinating stuff that just, it's just about little nudges and things. Um, it's a little different to copywriting, but it's that learning about you know behavior and why people do things and what motivates them um it, it does help you write copy write adverts target people 
Yeah. Sure, uh, absolutely. I'm understanding, and that's you know that that's kind of driven by psychology, and to, not to a lesser degree, but to to a slightly lesser degree, uh, philosophy. If you can understand um, why people do what they do, and then relate that to your product or service, or, or the copy that you write to them. If you understand that and what drives them and what triggers those decisions that they make is far more powerful than actually just trying to figure out, okay, how can I sell my widget to, to these people? Um, it, understanding that human nature is so, so powerful. Uh, I guess why people focus on uh, when you're talking about widgets, I guess, uh, how, how much time you save and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, how much, if you look at the core driving motivators of people, um, and again, it comes back to that, so what, is this going to save me time? Is this going to make me money? We all want to either save something or make something, typically. Um, so it's understanding that and how that relates to your consumer. Then from there, once you've got a, a, a solid understanding of that, wrap your copy around that as, as like the uh, spine, if you like, of, of, of the copy. You'll, you know, it's just such a powerful, uh, powerful technique when you understand that core concept. Yeah. Um, so obviously with the pandemic that's been going on, uh, mm -hmm. we've seen big, big changes in you know, shopping behavior. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, everyone's gone online. Um, mm -hmm. Online's had a massive boost. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's going to be any uh, big opportunities in copywriting uh, over the next kind of 12 months? You know, do you think behaviours will change a bit and, and actually, you know, the people, you know, are there, are there new opportunities for copywriters to kind of uh, leverage that change a bit and, and beat the competition? <laughs> I, a hundred percent. I think there's uh, kind of being a student of, of the market, I guess there's, uh, there's always, um, there's always an opportunity. People are always going to need words written for them. Now let's look at one of the big mediums uh, or content mediums of the day, which is video, right? Video is, is huge. And we're, we're actually, I would say past the peak of its um, uh, past the peak of its kind of popularity uh, potentially, and I think there is a shift happening to something different. But even video is is it needs a script, it needs copy, it needs that those words to get people to take action. So, absolutely, I, I think um, consumer behaviour has changed. I think there's been a flood. Uh, or, or an influx of people that are now doing things much, much differently. But there is a huge opportunity at both sides of the fence. If, if you're looking to start writing copy for clients, absolutely. But also as well, if you're either starting out or even if you're an existing um, successful business, the ability to write well and and write in such a way that it gets people to take action i guess now more than ever it is is kind of crucial words and and 
to a lesser degree copy, but words drive everything. And if you, uh, th- there's a huge opportunity right now for people to stand out and do it well, whether you're just starting out or want to get into copy as a career, there's a huge, huge opportunity. And like I say, the same comes from uh, if you're actually an established or, or startup business to really laser focus in on that copy and, and improve it. Absolutely. Huge opportunity. Yeah, completely agree, actually. Um, I, I was tagged in a, a LinkedIn post yesterday uh, by someone who uh, they, they'd received an email from a company uh, about their loyalty scheme, which uh, basically stated that they had zero loyalty points um, because they hadn't spent any money and hadn't booked anything. Mm. Um, but it was just, I mean, aside from the general issue I have with that email, just mm. uh, which was just pointless, it was just such a bland, it was a statement. I mean, sure. well, I think it was literally called a, their loyalty statement. But there was such a big opportunity missed because with some good copywriting, they could have explained you know, why you would care. Exactly. Like, why do you, you know, there was nothing in the email which explained why you would actually care about loyalty points yeah. um, and what you could spend them on and use them for. It all focused on the fact that he hadn't spent any money. Mm. Them. Um, so, and this so is a huge brand, huge, huge brand. And sure. I do think, uh, yeah, those those companies that put more effort into you know everything, all areas of the business with the copywriting, I think there'd be big, big opportunities. A hundred percent. And I think you know we 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 live now. We're going through uh, a, a huge change in the market, both as to how uh, how we can reach people and and how they buy or not how they buy because human nature has remained the same and, and certainly will remain the same in our lifetimes at least, but that the vehicles in, in now that they can take their journey when making a purchase it is changing uh, almost at a speed of light. And I think with, with that comes opportunity uh, and from that opportunity, there's going to be new businesses that spring up. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it, it's actually a really, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a really exciting time, but yeah, I think, you know, to your point in that post you were tagged in, it, it, it sounds like they didn't answer that crucial. So what question, you know, and, and it was just a statement, right? Yeah, it was exactly. In fact, I think I, I might've actually commented that as well, you know, mm. so what, why, like, it's like, why are you telling me this? Yeah, Exactly. Um, I mean, I could I could run about that for ages, but do you do you have any pet peeves when it comes to marketing? So many, um, so many. Uh, All right, let's go with just one or two. <laughs> just yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to that, that's a whole a separate episode. I think uh, when it comes to marketing, marketing done well should feel effortless. Um, it, it, it should be a joy. Same with sales; it should be a joy uh, and and really uh, kind of float people along. Um, I, I see a lot of mistruths. I, I don't want to say lies, but I see a lot of mistruths when it comes to marketing and, and kind of like uh, almost like a bait and switch um, with, with no positive outcome. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think for me, that, that's the big one. I think marketing needs to be done well, but it also needs to be value driven and be moral and ethical. Um, it, when people 
don't tell the truth in their marketing, that just leaves a, a bad taste in my mouth and no doubt for, uh, for, for, for many others. But it's all done uh, for the sake of getting a sale. It's just, it, it's not, it, it's not cool. It's not cool. That's my biggest one. And uh, if you kill off a marketing channel or tactic, mm-hmm. what would it be? Okay, so this is a big one. And I think it's, uh, it's one worth, it's, it's one that I don't really hear discuss that much but it's the uh, this idea of breakpoint do, 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 do you know what i mean by breakpoint uh i might know i wouldn't be able to tell you what it is but if you explain it i might go oh, okay yeah i just didn't know the term sure yeah it's, it's possibly something different so so from 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 breakpoint is basically uh seeing how far you can push um uh, a, a consumer um, to, to, to steal an old kind of sales um, wolf of Wall Street kind of, they, they, they either buy or they die. Um, so it's so a break point is um, pushing people to like really hard. It's like your sleazy car salesman or it's your marketing effort that shames people into, into buying. Um, that, if, if I could get rid of break point in every sales or every marketing channel, I think the world would be a much, uh, much better place. Okay. So kind of a bit like kind of pressure, putting, putting pressure on people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, I think that, you know, urgency, um, pressure uh, when used in the right way, uh, you know, urgency is a great, uh, it is a great motivator. Exclusivity is a great motivator, but to the extent of what, and again, it comes back to that, um, bit being, client or customer or consumer centric. Uh, and I see a lot of brands that put unnecessary pressure, almost like a shaming tactic on, on people if they don't buy, but it's, yeah, it, it's, it's essentially pushing people in, in a very uncomfortable way to, to, to make a decision. And I don't think that is necessary. Oftentimes I'll see that. And I just think it, it's coming from a place of, of desperation um, but, but don't get me wrong, but it's a fine line. You should use, um, uh, pressure in the right way. You should use kind of urgency, especially, and, and, uh, that fear of missing out or, or FOMO as, as the cool kids would say, um, to, to, to take advantage, but there's a fine line and it can go, uh, above and beyond. So, uh, especially when it comes more so, to, I guess, to marketing, is that break point of okay? So, let's push them, push them, push them, push them, push them, and see what happens. I think that pressure needs to be there, but but pushing people to break point and almost in in a you know in a shaming way is is a really bad kind of tactic. If I've understood this correctly, I think I see it on some. Uh... Uh, like opt-in forms or mm-hmm. opt-outs where the opt-out um, tends to be something like, um, no, I'm happy with rubbish conversion rates. Yeah. Or no, I'm, I'm happy with my business not earning much revenue. Mm. You know, something like that, which is just a, a over-the-top aggressive, just unnecessarily aggressive uh, way of yeah, tr- trying to, just trying to convince someone to click click on the yes instead and it's just yeah it's, well, it's, i posted it one on in linkedin didn't i mm. the other day saying uh it was it was like no i'm happy being a fool 
or something yeah. like that. And it's, yeah. yeah. And I think, again, it's, it's walking that fine line of um, understanding people and, and understanding what drives their behavior specifically. But I think it just comes from trying to force a, a product or a service down someone's throat unnecessary. I, I don't, I'm not in the market to sell or try to sell stuff to people that don't necessarily need it. If you've got a hungry market and you can meet them where they're going to, and you can genuinely um, help them overcome or make something or do something, why would you try and focus your efforts on on others and, and drive them through to that break point where they either buy and then experience like buyer's remorse and, and oftentimes you'll get refunds or requests for refunds and chargebacks. Um, instead, focus on where there is that market and, and take advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. Um, well, thanks for joining me, Pete. This has been, uh, been really, really great stuff. Um, how, how can people get in touch with you if they want to uh, learn more or talk about sales and copy? Uh, so they can go head on over to uh, madgorillamedia.com. Um, it's, uh, it's a small agency that I co-own. Uh, you can reach us, uh, reach me directly there. Um, always happy to uh, answer any questions, specifically when it comes to, to sales or copy. That's madgorillamedia.com. Brilliant. Cool. Cheers, Pete. Been my pleasure. Thanks, Will. Copy is so powerful. Uh, it's such an easy way of making a mark on your customer or potential customer as well. A lot of businesses miss great opportunities by not giving copy the attention it deserves. Um, you know, it covers everything from product descriptions on the website to marketing emails, little pieces of microcopy on products themselves, as we've seen with uh, Innocent and Penguin, and even customer service, really. These are all opportunities to get inside the customer's head and make a mark. You know, great copy builds great brands. Sales is also a great experience, something I recommend everyone does, you know, even if it's just six months. Uh, you'll learn a huge amount. The, you know, the experience is fantastic. Uh, it helps with confidence and learning how to speak to people better, which then you know, obviously also feeds into your copywriting and marketing generally. If you'd like to learn more about copywriting and sales, just head over to the episode page on customerswhoclick.com or drop me an email to uh, will at customerswhoclick.com. In the next episode, I've got Friday O'Flaherty with me talking about brand strategy. But until then, keep those customers clicking.